Uh, this is Lindsay Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week Interview Podcast on February 2nd, sponsored by 42 Bar and Table at the Clinton Center. On today's edition, we're going to talk about State Senator Jake Files' guilty plea in federal court, Jason Rapert, social media, and the Conway Police Department, and a proposed gag order for the University of Arkansas Board of Trustees. I'm joined, as usual, by Max Bradley. Hey. So, State Senator Jake Files, who's 45, and lives in Fort Smith, pleaded guilty in federal court this week to charges of wire fraud, bank fraud, and money laundering. Well, it was a negotiated guilty plea, and everybody expected it to happen. I mean, he had been nailed repeatedly in news accounts and elsewhere of of directing state money into his own pocket to keep his construction company afloat and as it piled up debt and as he had loans be foreclosed. And so uh, he pleaded guilty to money laundering and bank fraud and wire fraud, and uh, I would say the odds are that he's looking at some jail time, and, and he should as a state senator. I, I was, I mean, it was really pretty pro forma stuff. He he got some general improvement fund money directed to Fort Smith to help build a recreational complex that his company had the contract for, and there's ample testimony that he directed some of the money into his own pocket and also to some of his employees who work for the construction company. I think he was trying to right his business to a certain degree, but never did and got hundreds of thousands in debt. He also pledged a piece of equipment as collateral on a bank loan that he he no longer owned. So he's, he's caught. I, I was a little offended that that he was allowed to dictate the terms of his resignation. He stayed on the payroll still through February the 9th. He's an admitted felon, which means the state paid him another $1,000 or so in salary and expenses, a small amount, but but somewhat offensive for somebody who's going to go to jail for stealing money from the state that we're still paying him. But He had a top loose ends. Yeah, he had a top loose ends. He said, no, but nobody seems to object. I mean, the uh, Republican Party seems to be fine with it. So so there you are. The, the one interesting question is whether he can provide any information regarding anyone else. In his plea agreement, he agrees to testify uh, in grand jury and trials. Don't know that necessarily means he's planning to. I, I'd like to hear more about the time that he shook down a lobbyist, uh, Bruce Hawkins, for a $30,000 loan when he was facing some hot check charges. Uh, that loan at that time under state law that then existed didn't make that a crime, although there was apparently some violations of reporting rules on loans that occurred. They were reported belatedly after the fact. <clears throat> but uh, Files, I suspect, knows a lot. He's the... He's the third to be indicted and the second to plead guilty to misusing state general revenue money. And and there's another lobbyist in the wings who seems certain to be charged. You know, I I think there's probably more of this out there. But we don't know. So this uh, leaves the the Senate with one fewer member with the fiscal session coming up. Right, and actually there's three. three, There'll be three empty seats during the fiscal session, which starts in, what, a week? I think so. And, uh, you know, that I think all three were votes for Arkansas Works, the Medicaid expansion under Obamacare. And that begins to raise the question of whether there's the two-thirds vote in the Senate. What, that's five? Five could block it? Or four? Well, I think it's on the number who vote, not on the total membership. So, 
10 maybe could but maybe I, I i need to check i don't know but it's close and and it's uh you know the thought has been that we'd probably move ahead but it's going to be one last session for people like the mad madcap guy for, senator from uh Berryville, uh gary stubblefield no, no uh, uh Greg king brian king, brian king. Who, who's the long time hater of the program and he hadn't given up i think he had some meetings this week on constitutional amendments that would be proposed to end obamacare in every form in arkansas and and there it's an issue in some state senate races and so i don't think it's a given necessarily that 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 thing automatically will be approved again i would bet it would be but there'll be some drama before it's over undoubtedly well let's talk about a drama free zone and that's 42 bar and table Let's go there. Let's have a drink. Uh, uh, 42 Barn Table, if you don't know, has been through a remodeling. It's cold week this week, so probably not a good week to sit out on the beautiful new deck, although they do have fire pits and those heat lamps and what have you for somewhat more temperate nights. But they got a late-night bar that's open till midnight, Thursday through Saturday night, and it's a very nice bar at that, and they serve those special dinner specials uh, until 11, I think, 10 or 11, and, and good bar food, too, until... Till late hours Thursday through Saturday and of course they're open for lunch every day and deliver downtown and lots of parking and I would say a burger and soup is hard to beat it especially in cold weather and tomato bisque I think that would be my pick all right Stephen Ferry a Conway resident who's been raising money for a potential lawsuit against Senator Jason Rapert to challenge his blocking Rapert blocking people from social media <clears throat> accounts has been accused of filing a false police report alleging he'd been threatened by Rapert what a mess. I, I think if there was ever a case that shouldn't be in the criminal court system, it's this, but it is. Uh, this is just one. Of, Stephen Ferry dropped by our office here this week to talk about what he was up to. He's really offended that Jason Rapert blocks people on his Facebook and Twitter pages. And he notes that there have been at least one court case elsewhere in a federal court in the United States that says when a public official opens his social media pages to comment and uses it to communicate with constituents. He can't discriminate against some because of their viewpoints, that is, criticizing the public official. And he's been trying for weeks, months maybe, to talk to Rapert about this. Rapert had been avoiding him. Finally, Rapert called him back, and they apparently had a, this was about January 23rd or so, apparently had a fairly contentious conversation. Ferry took it that Rapert was threatening him. He he thought he heard him to say something like, "I'm gonna if you keep calling me, I'm gonna send somebody after you." Well, indeed, Rapert made a threat of that sort, but according to the Conway Police Department, who have a recording that Rapert made and their transcription of it, not we haven't heard the tape, but they say that it says, "If you keep calling me and harassing me, I'm gonna report you to the police," which he did, and uh, so. The police listened to that recording, and it didn't contain the specific words, I'm going to send somebody after you. So they decided that Ferry knowingly made a false police report. I think Ferry thought he was threatening, and this is a guy who's been reported widely to have told somebody who tried to ask him a question on a Lowe's parking lot that he had a gun, and so Raper carries a reputation with him. But the police said, no, it was false. He knew it was false, and so we're going to charge him with this crime, which is a Class A misdemeanor. They arrested him this morning. And he had to post an almost $1,200 bond to get out of jail. And he says 
It's not true. He's going to fight it, and he doesn't intend to stop. But the, he's under a not, not, no contact order with, with Rayford for the moment. So he can't try and call him now and talk about his governance or else he'll be in, held in contempt of court. You know, this is Rayford has complained to the state police, the secretary of state. He's fought with Wikipedia. This is a guy that sees a demon lurking behind every fence post, you know. And so there is Rayford and... Rapert's a little excitable. I, you know, he has he apparently has guns spotted all over his house. He's basically afraid. And 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 he ordered this guy not to contact. You know, you can't order people not to contact a public official. You can ask them and you can't you don't get to determine what harassment is. Multiple phone calls are not harassment. Now there are perhaps ways in which language can be harassing. And you can make threats, and you shouldn't do that and can't do that. But calling your congressman repeatedly is not a crime, despite what Jason Rapert or Tom Cotton, by the way, happen to think. So what do you what do you think about the legality of blocking somebody on social media? Do you think that it'll... Well, I think it's an interesting case. Uh, you know, the, the federal court in Virginia that ruled that, that it was a constitutional violation wrote a long and thoughtful opinion about it. I, I do think... Some of it turns on whether you have had equal access, you have opened access for comment on your work. And is the comment that's been stricken an effort to talk about legitimate government issues? You know, the, the, the guy said social media has become such a fact of life, it's become the dominant forum for exchanging ideas. And if a public official keep some people from engaging on account of unpopular speech. Well, it sounded like a First Amendment violation to them. I think it's a pretty good argument. I've long argued that these politicians that refuse to provide services to people they don't like, Mike Huckabee and Tom Cotton, to name two, who refuse to provide press service to the Arkansas Times, have engaged in viewpoint discrimination under the First Amendment. Well, we've never sued about it. I mean, who has the time and money to pursue it? And you know, I've decided there are ways to get it, and mostly what you don't get is of not great value anyway, and there are other ways to get it and that sort of thing. But but this autocrat, this thing that, that they've developed and that Trump has perfected, this sort of autocratic government of, you know, we will speak to who we speak to and, and silence those we disagree with, it's a, it's a bad thing. And you would hope the, the the remedy would be to throw people out of office, but... And somebody's running against Jason Rapert this year, and but I suspect he's probably a strong favorite to be reelected. Speaking of Rapert, what's what's up with the Ten Commandments monument? It hasn't been installed yet. Has yes, it? And, and I don't know why. I mean, they've approved the design of the structure on which it'll be replaced and some new security measures. And the money is supposedly su- supplied by a private source, and I'm not exactly sure what the delay. I don't know. If only we could ask Jason Rayford. Yeah, if we could only ask Jason Rayford, perhaps, perhaps he'll tell us. Moving on, earlier this week, the Arkansas Democrat Gazette explored in detail a proposal by Ben Heineman, chair of the University of Arkansas Board of Trustees, to essentially place a gag order on the 10-member board. Yeah, he wa- he wants to have a rule that says... <clears throat> that members of the board of directors can speak only through the chairman on board matters, that they can't individually ask for information from the campuses that has to go through a committee of the board, 
and that no member of the board can discuss what happens in executive session. That last thing is something they generally don't do anyway. I think this is about football. I think things leaked out about what was going on in the in the move that eventually led to the firing of Jeff Long as athletic director and Brett Bielema as football coach. Heineman was a long supporter. Heineman was a stadium expansion supporter, and you may remember that David Pryor spoke openly and publicly as a member of the Board of Trustees against the size of that expansion. I think it's another move toward this autocratic control government, you know, and, and – <coughs> I, the interesting question is whether the other members of the board will go along with it. It was it came up in an earlier meeting, and John Goodson, the trial lawyer from Texarkana, didn't say he objected to it, but said we ought to look at this a little farther, and, and that delayed it for the time being. Uh, I, I can't predict how it will turn out, but it's a bad idea. Uh, it means, I think it it means if if you have to have a discussion within a committee about what information you can ask. That's not a subject that falls under the private meeting law that allows private meetings. You can only have private meetings to talk about personnel. If a member of the board wants to get information about the chemistry department at Fayetteville and he's got to have a discussion with other board members to get it approved, I don't see how they can do it in private. And so that sort of negates the rule. Anyway, this is... This is just more you shut up public and we'll run things the way we want to kind of governance, and it's a bad thing. And whether it'll come in place or not, I don't know. The the system administrators certainly would like it. It'll depress. I know that one member of the board was digging up a lot of information during the long era about contracts and promises that had been made and money that had been spent. And, you know, these people just don't like to be questioned. Well, heck, nobody likes to be questioned, you know, but they're they're public employees. Well, we finished up uh, my three topics a little earlier than expected, so let's do just a few odds and ends. Uh, Little Rock Police Department Chief Ken Bugner is a finalist for the Charleston, (laughs) South Carolina job. See, you know, it, it seems a long shot to me. He's one of five finalists. The interim chief in Charleston is one of the other finalists, and, you know, normally you kind of figure the in-house guy has an edge, maybe, maybe not. Uh, I know that Charleston Media are already calling in Little Rock, and they're getting plenty of people happy to talk to him about tension with the black police officers, about some people in the inner city who aren't happy with his leadership. Uh, he has a, a, I can't think of a quite nice way to put it, he has an authoritarian style. He's uh, he's not a mediator-type leader. And... You know, some people like that, some don't. Uh, I, I can't help but mention the racial dimension. Charleston is a city that's 65% white, and it has an 80% white police force. Buckner is black. They have a, about 25% black population in Charleston. I suspect being South Carolina, a southern city, they have some of the typical racial tensions that exist most places. Whether they want to bring a black chief into that, maybe they do. Is a is a is a gesture of outreach, or maybe they don't because they don't. So I, I just don't know how it figures. But I, I as always, if they got an interim guy in there as a, as a candidate, I'd I'd have to put shorter odds on him. And and they're not going to hear good things from a lot of people about Buckner. I don't think. No. 
Uh, of course, the big national news this week was all about that uh, congressional Republican memo that was released today. <clears throat> and it said nothing. The Nunes memo said nothing. It made no specific allegations of wrongdoing. Uh, it omitted important information. Uh, it is largely an editorial, really, a Republican, ed- a Trump editorial in favor of the idea that the FBI is out to get him. Uh, and it just doesn't show that. I mean, you've got an FBI that's headed by Republican appointees who were contributors to Republican campaigns, who if they did anything in the 2016 election, they helped Trump and hurt Hillary Clinton. And he's trying to make the case that somehow they're against him. The problem Trump has is he wants to shut this Russian thing down because he's had a decade or more of long, close, and high-dollar relationships with Russians. And there's no doubt that there was some contact between his campaign people in Russia. Doesn't really matter if there were direct cooperation between the Trump campaign and Russia, although that in itself might be a crime if there was. I mean, he's in bed with the Russians as a practical matter, and he's had people who've lied about what they've done, and he's had people who've they've got a couple of plea bargains in the works already. They've got more charges coming, and this is just all a diversionary tactic. I think except for the hardcore Trump shills, the reaction has largely been there was no there there, particularly since they're refusing to allow release of the rest of the story, which is a, an account of this matter that the Democrats on the Intelligence Committee have done. So, But it, it throws up, I mean, it, it throws attention away from a key thing, which is the Russians are still continuing to try to use the Internet to influence American elections. These fake bots are putting out false news stories all over the place. They hope to influence the 2018 election. It's a threat to our system, and it's it's hugely important. And as long as Trump focuses things on how bad the FBI is and not on how our system is being destroyed, we're in a hell of a fix. Okay. Was well, there anything else that you want to opine on? What do I want to opine? I'm just, I'm just kind of an – I'm just constantly mad. <laughs> Maybe I just need to quit this business. Well, let's talk about something happy and close out with uh, endorsements. What but, you, I, well, you? I want to say that – I want to say I wrote something – just threw off something last weekend about my 45 years in newspaper. And it was great. Got a Everyone lot of, should, got a lot of nice that. comments about it. It's a great it was, picture of you and a, and a dog and in Dogtown. Dog, dog in Dogtown back in the day when the mayor brought my dog home. It was a wonderful thing. I, I think you have a better memory than, than I do. Why is that? Well, I mean, you remember things very vividly. Oh, but see, here's the deal. That's the thing about dementia. You, you'll learn this after you've seen a parent pass away with dementia. Great memory of the first grade, no memory of yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of that's kind of where I am. 45 years ago, I'm good. Yesterday, not so good. Well, I'm going to endorse uh, my new favorite nearby restaurant, and that's I actually forget what it's called. I think it's Hula Poke, but it's over uh, near where Creek, uh, not Creekins, Dugans, and um, what else is on that street? Is that this third Third Street? It's Third Street uh, east of La Harp. Um, Right, about it's right across the Capital Commerce building, like oh, know, oh down in the River Market Grill. neighborhood. Yeah, it's oh, basically okay, in the yeah, River yeah, Market. Yeah, it's a quick walk from here. Um, Dugans, not Cregans. Yeah, I started to say Cregans. Dugans, yeah. Poke uh, is a Hawaiian take on sushi. It starts with a bed of rice or salad, 
Um, and then you get some raw fish, often that's been treated with some spice, and then you put whatever else you want on it. It's sort of like Chipotle, you get to pick <coughs> your your toppings and Can you put any spam in there? They don't have spam. Well, that's a good Hawaiian ingredient. I like poke. I've had it. It's good. Yeah, it's just a, it's a good, it, it's super quick. It's like 10 bucks for the basic thing. It's it's a it's a filling sort of healthy lunch. It's filling but it's it's light at the same time. It does I mean, not make you feel like you're taking a nap. Yeah, right. It's it's non-groggy. It's good. Yeah. What's funny, I was thinking about food this week too and it's it's not new at all and but I've just kind of lately come to a real appreciation of it and that's Bossa Nova. Yeah. It's a good I mean, restaurant. I mean, it's just it's different. They've got a big assortment of different stuff. I had that dish they serve it in a big ceramic pot, and it kind of looks like soup, but it's not. It's kind of a seafood stew with a big chunk of fish and a bunch of bay scallops and shrimp and this sort of tomato broth. It's just fabulous. It's and then get some of those little cheese puffs with it. And, so and a caprinha maybe. And maybe a caprinha or five, and yeah. it's a pretty good night. And it's close, and it's I don't know. And people walk by, you know, it's kind of like being in an urban neighborhood. It's it's just I really appreciate it. It's good. That sounds great. I'm hungry now. Well, if you're hungry, get to 42 and tell them we sent you. And subscribe via iTunes or your favorite podcast service. Give us a rating and review. It helps people find us. Get your poor boy at cafe at the 42 Barn Table on Leidenheimer French Bread from New Orleans. Tell them we sent you. See you next time.